Hey, Reg, how's you doing, my friend? How's you doing? How's you doing? <laughs> That's nice. Let me get the bad grammar out of the way before the podcast officially starts, right? <laughs> Thankfully, no one ever hears this. They just hear all the well-articulated, well-scripted things that we do here, right? <laughs> Boy, that's an inside joke, right? Okay, Reg, are you ready to go? Because I am. Put it in the books. 395, episode 395-er. I'll give you the three S's, and I'll give you the countdown. You give me the music, and I'll give you episode 395. Ready to go? Trigger finger. Your finger on the trigger? Ready to go. Here we go. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We're just sitting waiting for you to click on, punch on, download, whatever you do to connect. We're just waiting for you to do it. And believe me, I appreciate you listening. But I also want you to get out there and do a little hustling, a little elbow grease. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and by gosh, it should be theirs too. What are they waiting for? Do the hard sell. Your loyalty and devotion and hard work always appreciated. And of course, if you like what you hear, whether you're a long-time listener or a first-time listener, Go to WGNRadio.com. Go to the prompt for podcast on the website. And then scroll down and you'll see the prompt for this specific podcast. And then, my goodness. They're all there. Well, not all of them, but a good number of them. So keep scrolling down and loading more. But listen right now to episode 395. So as each year ends, and we are getting close to that, a couple of weeks left to the the end of the year, 2023, coming to an end. I don't know. Was it a fast? Was it a slow year for you? I don't know. It was, it, everyone is 12 months, right? <laughs> I think next year we get a uh, an extra day. Next year is a leap year. But uh, I don't know. It, it, this this year seemed twelve months long. As usual, it seems the last half really does fly, though, doesn't it? Man, once September comes, it, all of a sudden you turn around and it is December eighteenth. <laughs> I remember September first very well because I I always judge our seasons not by the the solstice dates of the the shift but by the uh by the month 
the first of the month, the meteorological changing of the seasons. And in that way, September 1st is the beginning of fall, of autumn, September, October, November. And then December, January, and February are Mar- are the winter months. And then March, April, May is spring. And then June, July, August is summer. And then we're right back to fall with September, October, November. So I do remember that because uh, fall is my favorite time. And so I look forward to September 1st every year. And uh, I look forward to uh, a cooling of the outdoor temperatures and a lowering of the outdoor humidity. Uh, I'm not an over, a big lover of, of, of extreme heat. I know some people love 90 degrees and a lot of uh, a lot of humidity. That's not my thing. So I always look forward to to autumn. And so I remember clearly saying, "Ah, it's finally September first. It's autumn." And even though the weather still remained in the in the eighties for a while, up until uh, you know late September. But uh, but wow, I I mean October from October especially from mid October till right now. I mean, I, you just turned around, and all of a sudden, it's December. But that always seems to get to be the case. Holidays come. Things get a little more hectic, a little more busy as the year uh, starts to wind down. You just seem a lot more busier. There's a lot more things to do because of the year um, coming to an end. There's a lot more holidays. There's a lot more events that, uh, that seem to go on. And so... Uh, when that when your calendar is filled with a lot of events it it does go by fast and i've already i've already got my daily planner for 2024 and i've already filled out the planner for the next year with events that are yearly events that you know happen birthdays anniversaries things like that uh, already have made several different kind of appointments, whether it's for a haircut or, uh, you know, getting my teeth cleaned or, <laughs> you know, a doctor's appointment here and there for whatever you need. I, I talked to you about my my broken tooth, so I'm going to start the year off uh, with, uh, in fact, my, my the first week and a half of 2024 is already jammed, right? We got New Year's Day. January 1st, January 3rd, I have a haircut, January 4th, I have to go in to the dentist to take a look at my crown, to, to start my uh, the process for a crown, um, I'm trying to think, There's an, um, and then my birthday is on the 8th, and then on the 10th, I have a tooth, a teeth cleaning, <laughs> it's like, jeez, Boom, boom, boom. So my January, my first week of January, by the before by the time I know January is going to be over. But I was just looking at I think I have something else on the on the fifth of of uh, January as well. I think there's like that almost that whole week is like boom, 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 boom. Um so yeah, I I, I fill that in and uh and so you can get a I get a little idea of, of how my year is shaping up. And at this point, you don't have a lot of things. Plan. We do have a, a, a vacation plan for uh, early in uh, in 2024, so that's on the list. So that's cool. Uh, but it is interesting. You have those dates, those you know anniversary dates or those birth dates and other 
types of things. And then, like I said, some uh, appointments. But uh, as I've said many times, most of the days are open. And it's up to us individually to fill those dates with something fun and something cool and make them memorable. Every year we get a full page, 12 new pages to fill into that book of life that we get. And so uh, it's our job to fill in those blank pages. So it always does seem like, boom, when you have things to do, time does fly. And usually that end of the year does seem to go by very fast. But um, this is also a time when we begin to reflect on the past 12 months and what kind of a year it was for us individually for us uh, as in our family or our group of friends, and then a little wider, perhaps for our community in general, our nearby surrounding community, and then larger, maybe our city and our state, and then our country, and then the world. So a lot of layers where we can look and and we try to remember things and and take a look back at the at the past year and remember it as uh you know some very fun and memorable things that hopefully have happened that have filled in some of those blank pages that we're given each year in January to fill up with memories that hopefully will last a long time but then we also have to uh it's good to uh, reexamine what is the current status of the world and environment in which we live and so there's a lot of you know there will be as as we get closer now in the next couple of weeks a lot of year-end kind of shows you'll see them on television 2023 in review and i always enjoy watching those because it, it you there are some things especially that happened earlier in the year that you forget and you go oh my goodness that happened was that this year only or that you know, this person passed away. A prominent person may have passed away, or maybe there's someone in your family or immediate, uh, uh, you know, circle of friends that you don't realize. Oh, they that was earlier this year. Wow, you know. So yeah, sometimes a year seems to go by very quickly, and sometimes uh, things happen, and it 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 can't you can't believe it's been only a year or it's already a year, type of thing. Um, or it's been a year. One of the end of the year annual reflections is done by Time Magazine. Now, you know, let's let's be honest. Uh, in 2023, and certainly over the last several years, I would say the last ten or fifteen, at least. Uh, the entire media industry has gone through tremendous upheaval, tremendous disruption, if you will. That's the key word in the business world, disruption. Tremendous change, tremendous transformation um, as technology continues to influence and demand change by offering uh, the average person much more access and much more option to where and how and what they receive in terms of entertainment, information, and and all those things that the media 
delivers, be it news, be it entertainment, be it anything. And there's no question that uh, in the last 20 years, and certainly in the last 10 or 15, uh, the world of print, whether it's magazines, newspapers, anything print-wise, uh, is, is, has been devastated. It's uh, it, it's a it's a it's a ghost of what it used to be, and even though they still print magazines up, and we know this because when you, whenever you go to a doctor's office, there's still a pile of magazines. But if you notice, not as many as there used to be. Do you notice that? I mean, before you'd go to to a you know doctor's office, especially or any kind of a a waiting room, and there would always be a table filled with magazines to 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 uh, to pass the time. And do you notice when you go to any kind of waiting room now, very few hard copy reading product there, newspapers, magazines. There may be a few strays, maybe left by people. But before, you know, whoever was running those waiting rooms, they provided you with the reading material. But now, once again, that smartphone has just had an incredible and undeniable influence and has had an undeniable change on our behavior and our culture. And written material, newspapers, and magazines have certainly uh, felt the brunt of that quote-unquote progress. We've got so much power in your palm with your smartphone and so much quick, instant access. As soon as ink hits the paper on a magazine or a newspaper, it's, it's, it's obsolete. It's out of date. Because in the next second, something can happen that, uh, that pertains to this story that you're reading, that completely may change it or add some new twist that the internet, your smartphone, social media can react to, which print can't. Once it's on the paper, whatever was the truth at that point is, is, is done. It's solidified. Whereas the smartphone, computer, internet, whatever your device may be, that is a constant. It's always ready to be updated. And so how can print really compare with the immediacy, the urgency, and the constant living document that the internet is, as opposed to a finite document, which shows any kind of print thing? So magazines are trying to find some niche and find some void that they can fill in between. But they, magazines and newspaper used to be the dominant and the primary source of information. And then obviously things changed. Radio came along and then television, huge. But then the internet even no one ever thought, I don't think anybody really thought that anything could replace television in terms of the global and instant reaction to news. 
Because, you know, on television stations, as we've seen throughout history, when there is some kind of a big event, they can cut in live. And we've got 24-hour news stations now since the 80s, like with CNN and things like that. So I think before the Internet, we probably, there was a a fairly uh, confident view that uh, there will be perhaps enhancements, but you know, television is, you know, is the medium. And then, wow, that Internet came along. It had been sitting there for a long time, kind of dormant. The technology for the Internet had always had been there for many years, long before the average person knew about it. But it was never fully exploited and fully uh, tapped into its potential. But my goodness, when it was introduced and when some of the creative and technological minds put their their brain power to it we've seen how fast and how vast the internet has changed communication and information access just almost overnight if you look at the grand scheme on a time scale so there's a lot of magazines that are still around. They are around mainly, to some extent, I don't know, almost for a prestige kind of standpoint. There are some big media companies that still print some very well-known, long-established magazine titles in some still popular types of uh, areas of interest. There's a lot of still a lot of travel magazines and obviously entertainment magazines, uh, political magazines, news magazines. But while they still exist, their their real influence, their real prominence is is there more by former reputation than current reputation. The ones that have been able to survive are those the ones that that have been around for you know more almost a hundred years and have established brand names, and even though uh, they don't have anywhere near the readership or subscription rates that they used to have forty or fifty, sixty, seventy years ago, or they don't have come even close come close to shaping. Uh, public opinion like they used to they're still around and so we still acknowledge them they still have a place in our culture but they just don't have the prominent game-changing type of status that they used to and time magazine is one of those there used to be time and newsweek and who was on the cover of time every week and in time and newsweek were the two main news magazines that 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 were read every week and quoted and politicians worried about them uh and uh and editors and reporters longed to work for them they were the they were the the world series they were the mount everest they were the pinnacle of the media world Time and Newsweek, every week battling it out. And who they put on the cover or what they put on the cover helped shape 
the news cycle for that week. Because as I said before, in a print world, things did not move as fast. And so when a Time magazine or a Newsweek magazine came out and they put something or someone on the cover, it, until the next week, that was discussed. That was followed up by other news outlets, by newspapers and television and other types of, of, of shows. And it really, Time Magazine and Newsweek had that kind of influence. But as I said, once, once we got into the, 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 the Internet, you know, it, just impossible for any kind of print uh, you know, publication or periodical, newspaper or magazine, impossible for them to truly compete. And that's why many of those established news, uh, you know, like magazines and newspapers, whether it's People Magazine or Time Magazine or USA Today or the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Atlantic or, you know, the Economist, whatever kind of magazine you might read, they all have a, a website. And yes, in many ways, it certainly dilutes from the hard copy print version, which established it, but you've got to go where the eyes are. You've got to go where the people are, and that's where the people are. There's still a certain number of people that will read a magazine, a hard copy magazine, but most of those people uh, are the ones that grew up reading those from the last 40 or 50 years, people in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. And while there's a good number of those still around, the baby boom generation and even Generation X, uh, still around, still, you know, showing their, their, their power of the purse, but... It's not the desired demographic. It's not that, you know, 18 to 54 demographic that all the advertisers want, which is the lifeblood of a magazine or a newspaper. That's, that's who pays the bills. And now I would even, I've said many times, I would even argue that everybody talked about 18 to 54. I even think that demographic needs to be changed. I think... Most of our culture, as I've said many times here, I think most of our culture is, is, is truly influenced by 14-year-olds. That's, who's, that's who the, the smartphone and many of our technologies are aimed at, 14-year-old, and mainly 14-year-old females. They're the ones, when you see new emojis and new uh, you know, um, Enhancements on a, on a phone. It's the new emojis and new, uh, you know, camera enhancements. Who's that aimed at? Teenage girls. Those are the ones taking pictures of everything they do. They're the ones who are hit, are using emojis. They're the ones that are coming up with all the the new, um, you know, slangs, the LOLs and the OMGs. Who do you think came up with that stuff? Those weren't 35-year-olds. Those were teenagers. They're the ones who are, who are using the technology. 
And so, yes, magazines, you can still find a hard copy magazine. There's still, you know, some very few established bookstores like Barnes and Noble and things like that. I don't even know if Walden Books is still around. There's not many, you know, hard copy bookstore chains left. There are some uh, independently owned bookstores. But there used to be a, a lot of big chain bookstores. Crocs and Brentano's. Walden Books. Borders Books. Remember all these? Barnes and Noble. I mean, boom, I'm just, that's off the top of my head. I'm coming off with four or five huge. They were in every mall and every corner 30 years ago. Now you can barely find one. And if you do, you'll find one. <laughs> but when you, if you do go to those, you can find their, their magazine. They still sell magazines. I know Barnes & Noble has a, a fairly extensive magazine rack, although I think I read that they're going to start um, you know, making their magazine offering smaller, but they still have a whole wall full, at least the ones that I go to. Yes, I'm still one of those. I fall into that bracket. I've been reading magazines and newspapers ever since I was a little kid. So yeah, that's still in my blood. I don't I gonna I'll be honest with you, I don't read as many as I used to though, but there's still some that I will buy. I don't I don't subscribe to as many magazines as I used to, certainly. But I will still seek out a magazine depending on the subject matter that I want to read. So I'll still read it, but certainly not like I, I used to subscribe to maybe four or five magazines and a daily newspaper. None right now. Do not subscribe to a newspaper. Get my news online. And I stopped all subscriptions to most of the magazines that I used to get. The only one I get is because 25 years ago, maybe even longer than that, I, got a, I was offered a lifetime subscription for $30. <laughs> $30 for a lifetime subscription. And so I still get Rolling Stone, even though I, I don't really, I don't read it like I used to. I've been a subscriber from back when I was in my early 20s or maybe even late teens, which is why I think they offered me that. But now that magazine is far from the magazine that I initially read and, and used to consider my Bible in many ways. But it still comes in the mail because I, I paid my $30 30 years ago, and so I'm still on their list. So they keep sending it, and I probably page through it in five minutes and then throw it out. <laughs> but yes, we still, there's still, a, there's still an acknowledgement of the, the old media icons and time magazine is one of those old media icons it's still around i don't know how much prominence it has or how much cachet it has or how much influence it has anymore certainly i don't think it's even on the radar screen of people on a, on a, on a, on a regular basis where they seek it out and read it they may hear about it and have heard about it, but in terms of it being a regular part of their life in terms of going to Time Magazine for their information, 
I would imagine that there's no one in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or maybe even 50s that do that on a regular basis. At this point, I would imagine that many magazines are kind of almost like vanity projects, the hard copy versions of them. And every so often, they will go out there and make a big splash. I mean, Rolling Stone, their big splash is what they keep coming up with lists. That's the, way, that's the only reason that Rolling Stone pretty much stays in the, in the zeitgeist. I don't think anybody's buying the hard copies, but online they come up with these, the best, you know, guitarists of all time, the best singers of all time, the best, uh, you know, movies of the 90s. You know, they, they've, 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 they've found to at least those are interesting. People love lists. People love debating it. It's good fodder for radio. It's good fodder for television. So they get a little, uh, you know, play there. Uh, but, I don't know anybody that reads Rolling Stone and said, hey, did you see the new Rolling Stone cover story on whoever? I haven't heard anybody say that in 35 years. But the magazines are still around if you want to hunt for them, if you want to find them. They're there. There's a few of them. When you go to the grocery store, there's still some magazine racks right by by the checkout. You'll see them. But a lot of the magazines, if you notice... They're, they're compilation magazines. They're not even the weekly magazines. They're like a magazine on, you know, a, a specific personality, uh, you know, and it's all about, or, or a music group. It's all, it's like a, it's a mag, it's a special edition <laughs> with the, the name of the cachet of the established magazine, you know, Rolling Stones Ultimate Music Guide for U2 or Bob Dylan or something like that, appealing to the age group that still would even consider buying a magazine. Because I even wonder if people in their 20s and 30s would even know, would even think of buying a magazine in any real sense, unless something catches their eye, and that's what they're trying to do. So Time Magazine, in, you know, in reality, is still around. Its impact, its importance, that can be debated. But once again, it has a rich, long history. It's well known, at least to a certain segment of our society, even though if that number may be dwindling. And so they continue to print. They continue to be on, online. And they continue with many of the annual types of features that, uh, that, that used to be big deals when they were a big deal. And for Time Magazine, one of those things was the man of the year. Now, that is truly an interesting concept. And it shows how our society has shifted in the last hundred years. I mean, you couldn't get away with that anymore. But when Time Mag, excuse me, when Time Magazine started its annual person of the year feature, that one person that was prominent, that either made some great accomplishment or did something that was transformational in terms of 
the world or in a, a specific area of achievement or accomplishment, whether it was a president of a country or a politician or an inventor or an explorer or an astronaut or a religious leader. Whatever the case may be, those are usually the types of people that were singled out as the person of the year. But as I said, back in 1927, and for many, many years, for decades, it was not the person of the year. It was the man of the year. Yes, there's no question that our society, globally as well as here in the United States, the media capital of the world, was very male-centric. And you look back at this now, and you, and you, you see. I mean, there was it was called Man of the Year, and no one complained or bristled by that designation. It was accepted that most likely anyone who would have some kind of a major impact on our society or on our world would be a man. That was the, the general consensus for many, 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 many decades. But here as we sit in 2023, we realize that that viewpoint has completely shifted as our society in general looks for more inclusion and looks um, for more diversity. And certainly has shifted to a more female-oriented, female-empowered, female-recognized society. And some feel that we may have, we're going over too far or whatever to even things up, but that's certainly where we're at. And it wasn't until probably, you know, maybe 20 years or so ago Maybe, maybe even in the mid nineties or something where they, they realized that, that patriarchal term was no longer in fashion, man of the year. And they changed it to person of the year, which makes perfect sense. But it does show how our sensibilities and perspectives have shifted over the decades. The first person of the year or at the time man of the year was charles Lindbergh. to some people they might not even know what that name means but back in 1927 that was a huge deal charles Lindbergh was a was a pilot and something of an explorer i guess you could say a groundbreaker he he made the first transatlantic flight by himself in an airplane now we think about that as i speak there's planes flying in every direction all over the world. That's, that's commonplace. But back in 1927, that was quite a feat. And Charles Lindbergh was, was feted around the world. It was for, in 1927, flying across the Atlantic was the equivalent of what we would think about today of flying to the moon. It was almost unheard of. And because Lindbergh was able to successfully complete that flight, uh, he was cheered and praised around the world. 
as a hero, as an aspirational hero. Now we know, as time has gone on, Charles Lindbergh has been exposed as far from, in many circles, uh, as a, a hero. His accomplishment certainly still cannot be denied. He flew across the Atlantic in a plane by himself. He did that. But that accomplishment alone is what elevated him. But over time, we have learned more about Charles Lindbergh, the person, and not Charles Lindbergh, the pilot, and the, the, uh, the achiever of that milestone. And it turns out that Lindbergh held some very racist and potentially fascist kind of views. He may have even been, there's stories about him perhaps even really being a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer at the very least, or a, a racist. So Lindbergh's reputation has certainly uh, come into question in the last 20 or 30 or 40 years. However, in 1927, when he was viewed simply as the first man to cross the Atlantic in an airplane by himself, he was not just a national hero, but a global hero. And so with Charles Lindbergh, time established this man of the year designation. And then every year since then, they have named a person who had a unique influence or a unique accomplishment in the world that somehow changed the world or influenced the world and that's that's a that's a that's a, a fairly big description there's 8 billion people in the world right now to choose one person wow <laughs> that influenced the world. But yet, they've been able to find one every year (laughs) since 1927. And so, the Time Magazine Person of the Year, I'll just continue to say that now because that's the new designation and has been for years. The Time Magazine Person of the Year certainly still holds some kind of prominence and prestige, even if Time Magazine is not the opinion shaper and, and, and news game changer and influencer that it once was. It still has that reputation. It still has, is, is, it still has is given this title for now almost a hundred years to people throughout the world. It's not just Americans. As I said, these are world leaders, world politicians, religious leaders, leaders of foreign countries, people that have, have, um, have been the, uh, the Time Magazine person of the year. Uh, they, they, they run the gamut from people that have done incredibly positive things for the world and people that have done negative things. Adolf Hitler in 1938 was named Times Man of the Year. Now, granted, that was a year before Germany invaded Poland, but he became the Chancellor of Germany and was making 
a name for himself on the world stage. Stalin, one of the great dictators, and, and, and now we look and see one of the, uh, the mo- most brutal world leaders of Russia, has, was Time's Man of the Year. As well as people that have been aspirational, people that have done, who have, who have uh, 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 accomplished or invented or have contributed positively to our culture and to the progression of mankind. So we've had two or three popes that have been the person of the year. Winston Churchill, FDR, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy. All different world leaders, politicians, the astronauts from Apollo, from the Apollo missions. You know, like I said, explorers, adventurers, inventors. I think Mark Zuckerberg. All walks of life. Mostly it's been politicians, world leaders, as I said, maybe explorers, inventors, corporate people, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, or groups of people that have made a difference, that have done movements. So, 2023, what do you think about 2023? It's been an interesting year, hasn't it? At the beginning of this year, I do remember right here on this podcast, one of my first podcasts of of the new year, one of my hopes for the new year was that the war between Russia and Ukraine would finally be settled. It had just begun in 2022, and we were seeing the devastation that was going on of this unprovoked invasion by Russia into Ukraine, Uh, and it seemed pointless. It seemed, as I said before, unprovoked, cruel. It, It seemed almost out of step with with the reality of of a, of a of a of our times it seemed it seemed like it, it belonged 50 years ago the sight of tanks and bombs and destruction like that it looked like it looked like you know pictures and footage from from world war ii it seemed like we were reverting so i remember the hope was that this can be settled and the devastation would end and hopefully a some kind of agreement would be made between the two sides. Well, here we are at the end of the year and sadly, not only is the the Russian Ukraine conflict continuing, it's not even the most prominent war anymore. So as we know, just a few months ago in October We had a terrorist attack in the Middle East of Hamas against Israel, and now we have an Israeli-Hamas war in Israel and in Gaza, which has stoked some of the old 
conflicts between Israel and Palestine, the Palestinian people, and has actually stoked new kinds of views and, and, and hatreds and anti-Semitism against Israel, which has shocked many people. And we've seen inflation continue. We've seen um, weather-related tragedies, earthquakes and floods. Hawaii, Maui, destroyed by fire, devastated. Um, it's been a tough year. We're in the midst of a, of a presidential campaign within a few weeks from now. Five, four or five weeks from now, we'll begin to vote for a new president. And there's great, great controversy in that. Between the possible nomination of Donald Trump to return to the White House, to the possibility of electing the oldest, re-electing the oldest president in our history, who will be 82 years old by the time the next election comes along. A president that has shown at least some mental decline and physical decline, and we can only wonder how that will continue if he is reelected. We see crime out of, out, of, uh, out of whack. We have a huge migrant crisis going on in many of the major cities around the world. Homelessness. Our southern border. Around the world, there, are, there is disruption. Not only those two wars, but a lot of tensions between the um, you know the United States and China and the United States and Iran and questioning of allies that that America used to have and former democracies toppling into more socialist governments the world right now is in a very odd place a very tough place and I don't know if we really know where we're going or how we're going to get where we're going. And if we want to know where we're going, we're kind of in, we're floating in a limbo right now. And on that backdrop, <laughs> Time Magazine still has to name its person of the year, which they did last week. Now, being a news junkie that I have been, and all, I am and always have been, about, I would say, three or four weeks before, I was already, because I, I used to be a, a newspaper and a magazine editor, so I'm always thinking ahead. I'm always thinking about news stories and different kinds of stories. It's just, that's just the way my brain works. I just look around and go, oh, it's going to be time for this. Or did you notice that? Or remember this? And people go, oh, well, yeah, well, that was kind of my job to sort of be two steps ahead of what the average person's thinking so you can provide some interesting topics for people to read and learn from. So my brain kind of always works that way. 
And so I just remember sitting around talking to my wife and saying, so, and I actually said by name, so who is going to be the time person of the year? I don't read Time Magazine, haven't read it for decades. But I do know that there is this yearly designation, and here we are toward the end of the year. And as I said, we begin to reflect upon the past year and things that have happened and people that have become prominent and things like that. And so that's still in my my news editor's head. And so I just, it's like, you know, we're watching TV and I'm like, well, you know, in about a month or so, we'll probably start, you know, hearing all these year-ending reviews and, well, the Time Magazine Person of the Year. I remember last year it was the president of Ukraine, Voldemort Zelensky, who has shown great resolve and uh, standing up to the great Russian bear, small Ukraine country. So he's, he's certainly made a name for himself. And so that was a, a very logical pick. That wasn't too hard to pick last year. But this year, you look around, and there was very little positive that you can say. And that's not being pessimistic. That's just being realistic. I've always said I'm an optimistic realist. I'm always hoping that things will go well, but I don't, I don't, shield myself or blind myself to the realities and if you're gonna be honest the way i just laid it out if you look at the last 12 months it's been a tough year oh there's certainly been some moments of excitement and positivity maybe in your own life or on the grander scale globally or even nationally but it but overall it's been tough as I said, we've had natural tragedies. We've had high inflation. We've had this migrant crisis now that is affecting many of our big cities that can't handle the loads of migrants that are coming into the country and being bused to big cities like California and Chicago uh, and, and Philadelphia and, 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 and all the major northern cities, as well as the border itself. As I said before, Hawaii, devastating fire that over a span of a couple hours, devastated an entire city. One of the gems where people go to, to relax and get away from it all. And even tragedy struck there, in, as well as around the world. We had hurricanes and tornadoes that devastated different countries and earthquakes, as well as, I said, the continuing war uh, between Russia and Ukraine and now this new war between Israel and the terrorist group Hamas in the Gaza area, in the Middle East. High inflation. Sorry, I'm not trying to, to bring things on a downer, but that's the reality we live in. And so amidst that, I was sitting around with my wife saying, so what is going, who's going to be the person of the year? And we started throwing things out. And my, the, my first thought actually was not a person at all. It was a thing. It was a doll. If you talk about big stories and positive stories and popular stories and maybe, you know, things that united people, you cannot deny that the 
movie Barbie certainly has to be considered. Barbie, the doll, and the movie has to be considered one of the top persons of the year, even though she's really not a person. But the Barbie movie became a phenomenon. $1.36 billion globally. The hit of the summer, the hit of the year. A movie, as I said before, about female, about our, the way our society moves. A movie, uh, you know, female-centric, female-oriented. Women through any, any woman right now, from a teenager or even a little girl, even before their teens, to a, to a woman in their 50s and 60s and 70s. All played with Barbie dolls at one time so they can all relate to Barbie. They all have their own special memories of Barbie. And the movie, you know, played on that, capitalized on that, and then forged its own kind of female empowerment message with bright pink colors and amidst all this kind of downer news that was happening throughout this year, Barbie was this feel-good entertainment, this great distraction. And men, women, specifically, you know, certainly women, but also men flocked to the theaters to see it as a great summer diversion to get away from all the difficulties that were happening in, in the world and in their lives perhaps too. So I said, well, I think Barbie's got to be considered. And then the next name I said right after that, then the real-life Barbie? Well, you got to think of Taylor Swift, right? Has there been one celebrity or one person that has been able to you know, cross over into mass popularity than Taylor Swift in 2023? I don't think anybody expected it, but her Eras Tour is is slowly going to become the biggest grossing global tour in history. It's going to make over a billion dollars. Um, Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour grossed $900 million over the three years that it was around, and it right now is the largest grossing international tour of all time. But there's no question that Taylor will surpass that. She's pretty close to it already, as long as she keeps this tour going. And I know she's going to be tour. It's going to the Eras tour is going to continue into 2024, and that will be the biggest grossing global tour in history. Then she had a, a movie of that tour, which broke all kinds of records. Then she re she re recorded and re released many of her past albums which dominated the charts and the streams and then if not all that influence popularity and success which dominated a great portion of the year but then during the football season her romance has dominated the last half of the year so the first 
half of the year, at least from the, the spring until the, throughout the summer, it was all about Taylor Swift and her era's tour and her era's movie and, and all her albums and everything like that. And then right when things you think might be dying down, her infamous love life becomes the story. And it transcends not only the entertainment world, but enters into the sports world. As she starts going out with Travis Kelsey, who's not just a football player, but one of the best football players, who has been one of the best football players for for the last 10 years, and who also happens to be on the defending Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chiefs. So one of the, the, the one of the most high profile teams, if not the most high profile team right now in the NFL, and then one of the highest profile players on the highest profile team, to the point where she's in the skybox and the television broadcasts. If there's a, a Kelsey catch or a Kelsey touchdown, the first shot is of Kelsey making the the. the touchdown and the next shot is of taylor cheering her boyfriend out so how can you deny that whether you like taylor swift's music whether you're sick and tired of her or not you have to acknowledge that she has had a great success and accomplishment and impact on our culture in 2023 interestingly i was filling in on wgn radio um a few months ago and I did a segment about the, at that time, budding romance. The romance had just started between Tyler or Taylor Swift and, uh, and Travis Kelsey. And I did a segment on it. And I remember getting a lot of texts from people saying, why are you bothering with this? You know, this is, the, what are you wasting your time on this? Who cares about this? But I knew that this was what people we're talking about and it was worth discussing so now that taylor swift is certainly someone that you have to consider for the person of the year i felt very vindicated i knew that those people were kind of out of touch what was really happening in the pop culture world so i i made no apologies for that segment then and i certainly make no apologies for it now so I mentioned, I think Taylor Swift certainly has to be one of the people that you have to think about to be the time person of the year. And then we're trying to think, I said, well, you know, maybe the, the president of China, Jing, just because China is so prominent now as being a adversary. And those were kind of the two or three that I thought of just off the top of my head. Well, a couple of weeks ago, before the announcement came out last week of the Time Person of the Year, they released their short list of nine people that they were considering for Person of the Year. So I was very happy to see that Barbie was on there, Taylor Swift was on there, and the President of China was on there. So at least I knew that I was still tapping into the pop culture world just off the top of my head. I was able to name at least the three that I mentioned were all on the list. Now, they had nine. 
They mentioned the Hollywood Strikers, which I thought was kind of a stretch, but they used a the the validation of that that uh, you know that they this this strike lasted for 108 days and it it raised the the uh, profile of labor and um, you know the the shifting of the entertainment world with streaming. I thought that was a stretch. They mentioned a guy named Sam Altman. I I know the name, but I wasn't completely sure. Maybe this is why, uh, you know, I don't know how well-known he is, but he's the CEO of the company OpenAE, which created ChatGPT, which is the leading AI tech, technology. And you know, in the last six months, everybody's talking about AI. Somewhere down the line, Sam Altman may be the time person of the year. Might be too early for him right now, but I wouldn't be surprised as AI continues, artificial intelligence continues to grow and be debated and used in certain, uh, you know, new ways to discover it. And it's still feared by many people on its potential and, and its downside. There's some great upsides to AI. But there's also some very fearful downsides that even people that are that are developing it, developing it, even at this early stage, are already warning us of the the, the negative potential of AI. So I wouldn't count Sam Altman out completely. He may become a Time Person Magazine, uh, Time Magazine Person of the Year. But that was a name that I, 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 I couldn't have named that one right off the top of my head. They named Jerome Powell as the head of the Federal Reserve because of him fighting inflation. I didn't think that one had much of a chance. King Charles III, first new monarch in England in more than 70 years with the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And an interesting choice, but I don't think that Charles has really made that much of a of an impact. Um, there was an acknowledgement of him becoming king. He's been waiting for his whole life for this job, and he had to wait 70 years to get it. Um, and he's in it now. But I, I don't know if there's a great excitement about him. There's more excitement about his heir, Prince William, and his spare heir. More talk about him, Prince Harry. But Charles is in, and so he is a prominent political figure. But I don't know. He hasn't captured the imagination of the world. Vladimir Putin's name, once again on there, just because of him being, you know, not only having invaded Iran but, or, or, or Ukraine, but but still being stubborn enough not to go to the table and end this, what seems to be a very senseless and almost ego-driven invasion. So, you know, he's on there. The Trump prosecutors, that, was a, that to me was a very, that was a weak one. You know, oh, they, they indict, they, 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 all, the, all the people that have prosecuted and brought indictments against Donald Trump for the first time a president has been indicted. I get it, but I don't really think that is 
deserving of a person of the year. And so those were the short list, those nine. The Hollywood Strikers, the president of, of, of China, Taylor Swift, Sam Altman, the Trump prosecutors, Barbie, the doll, Vladimir Putin, King Charles, and Jerome Powell, the chief of the Federal Reserve. So who would you think? I don't know if you've heard this or not, but who do you think out of those names? To me, it's, it's, it's really, it was a horse race. Out of, when I read that list then, which was out there for about a week, to me, this was a two-horse race. And it was between two women, one real and one a doll. It was between Taylor Swift and Barbie. And I don't think you could go wrong with either one because they really did have a huge impact. Everybody knew about the Barbie movie, and everybody has heard about Taylor Swift. Whether you know any of your music, which I don't really know at all, but I still know who Taylor Swift is. And she's been around for a long time. You know, she's 33 years old, and she started as a teenager. But clearly, in 2023, her popularity and her notoriety and her accomplishment was solidified in a huge, huge, huge way. And it will only continue into 2024. I don't know when we're going to get tired of Taylor Swift, but right now we are not, t- we are not uh, tired of her. And so when the announcement came out last week, I was thinking if it's Barbie, it would be interesting, right? Because the person of the year would not really be a person. So how interesting is that, right? Because now if you're Time Magazine, you know, you, you want to create interest with this, with this choice of yours. You want to sell magazines. You want people to go out and physically buy that magazine, right? What's going what's gonna to force people? Well, you know that $1.3 billion worth of ticket sales went to this Barbie movie. So there's a good chance that if you name Barbie and put her on the cover and name her person of the year, you're going to sell some hard copy magazines. Barbie fans will be motivated to go and seek out that that hard copy magazine and buy it on the newsstand. And that's your goal. So to me, I think Barbie was an interesting, fun choice, a valid choice. Here's this this 70, 80-year-old iconic toy brand that certain that suddenly has elevated itself in into uh, a new realm of popularity and respect. Don't forget, the Barbie doll, for many generations over the last 30 or 40 years, especially since the feminist movement started, the Barbie doll was, was viewed as anti-feminist, that her figure was ridiculous, and, she, and the Barbie doll represented an, an old vision of women that was just basically uh, judged on physicality and not on intelligence or anything else, but just physicality. And Barbie's body shape was, was a ridiculous, exaggerated form that really couldn't even be duplicated in real life. So while Barbie dolls still sold, the little girl still played with them, there was still a contingent that looked at Barbie as anti-women and anti-feminist because it, it glorified a past 
view of women that were simply a physical object rather than a physical or intellectual or personal or emotive subject. But this movie was able to transform that. It did away with the anti-feminist, anti-Barbie view for the feminist world, for a female empowerment, a female-empowered society by putting Barbie in a position of female empowerment. And the movie itself, its story, elevated the female and feminist agenda and made it acceptable and shifted Barbie's negativity to now that she is a female pro-feminist icon. But for the last 30 or 40 years, the Barbie doll has been used to denigrate a woman. And now, through this movie, it shifted. That's, pretty, that's, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. So I thought, on many levels, Barbie would be a great choice. And this seemed to be the year of Barbie. The movie certainly dominated the summer movie uh, season. The, there was promotion everywhere. Everybody's wearing pink and Barbie, Barbie, Barbie. We were living in a Barbie world, no question about it. And to have this, this old-fashioned, iconic brand come back and then relaunch itself and destroy its former reputation and flip it on its head to become a a new female role model in addition you know in in contrast to it being oh she's a barbie doll in a denigrating way was quite an accomplishment monetarily as well as socially so i thought barbie would be a pretty a pretty savvy choice on for many and especially it would sell magazines but then, of course, how do you deny the impact of Taylor Swift? I already went through her accomplishments. And at the end of the day, the announcement was Taylor Swift. And when you think about it, it does make more sense than Barbie because Taylor is a person. <laughs> you know, Barbie is sort of a person, but really isn't. So I'd have to think that Barbie may have been a close second, but it indeed was Taylor Swift. And you cannot deny, as I said before, whether you like her music, whether you like her, whatever you're thinking, you know, you're sick and tired of hearing of her, you're sick and tired of her, her romance with, with Travis Kelsey, you're sick and tired of watching a football game and having to see her cheer with, with, with Kelsey's mom and all that stuff that's surrounding this, this romance. If you're sick and tired of it all, you still have to admit that she has made quite a a name for herself, and has racked up an amazing amount of success and popularity on the world stage. And what it also, I think, points to is how dominant now pop culture is to our culture. 
As I said to you before, past winners of the Person of the Year Award from going back to 1927 have all been world leaders. Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, astronauts, popes, um, protesters, Gandhi, inventors, businessmen, business people. There's never been in the almost now 100-year tradition of Time's Person of the Year, there's never been a, a pure entertainer that was named Person of the Year until this year. A pure entertainer, not that someone who did something or was a part of something, but a pure entertainer, a singer, songwriter, performer. I think it's interesting that this is the first time it's happened, and I think it's also significant that it's a woman. As I said before, we're in a female-empowered society, and so the first entertainer to be named the person of the year, not Frank Sinatra, not Elvis Presley, not the Beatles, not a man, a woman. It shows you where we're at as a society. Pop culture is our culture. We are dominated now by pop culture. They didn't name the president of a country. They didn't name a business person. They didn't name uh, a politician. They didn't name anybody that is involved in influencing the world's affairs. They name somebody who's had an influence on the world's entertainment, on the pop culture of the world. And that's how you could see that our overall culture is becoming dominated by pop culture. I also think that it was a smart move if you're an editor of Time Magazine, you know the Swifties out there are going to go out now and buy that hard copy magazine with Taylor Swift on the cover that says Time's Person of the Year. I would imagine this is going to be one of their best-selling issues ever. I don't know what the, what the, uh, what the figures are, but I would not be surprised to hear that this copy of Taylor Swift on the cover of Time Magazine as Person of the Year may break their all-time sales record. I'm just going to say that. I wouldn't be surprised. So it's a savvy business move as well as a legitimate choice for somebody who has influenced the world in some way and accomplished a great deal during the past year. It's also, I think, on the, 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 the role of the editors at Time Magazine, to some extent, as I said earlier, it's been a tough year. It's been a, a difficult year between wars and, 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 and natural tragedies and economic tragedies and conflicts and devastation 
It's been a tough, tough year. Protests. We're still a divided country. We're a divided world. And I think that Time Magazine, rather than naming the president of China, which would be a valid choice because China is on the move and China is threatening the United States place as the leader in the world. There's no question about that. That would have been a valid choice. But if you choose the president of China, for instance, then you have to talk about a a difficult subject, a heavy subject. If you talk about Sam Altman, who in, in, in discovered AI, you have to certainly talk about the, the, the great positives that AI may bring to our future, but then you also inevitably have to discuss the danger of AI in that same, in that same sentence, in that same discussion. And I just wonder that at the end of the year, did the editors of Time Magazine say, you know what? Readers have been inundated with enough bad news and negative news that, you know, I don't know if we want to end the year on a heavy note because the year has been heavy enough. So you know what? Let's lighten it up. Let's something, let's, let's, let's end it on a note that at least, you know, some people might be sick of Taylor Swift or whatever, but you know, it's, it's all about entertainment and fun and music and enjoyment and distraction from, at least, you know, temporarily, a distraction from the heaviness and uncertainty and cruelty that's growing on in the world right now. And I wonder if that played a role too. I think Barbie, again, would have, would have fit that role as well. But at the end of the day, Time Magazine decided to name a real person rather than a doll, (laughs) which I think we should be happy for. Because if a doll won person of the year, we'd really, it would really be quite a statement that we can't even have a real person. We've got to have a make believe person be our person of the year because there's nobody in the world real who can be. And it really does kind of lean back to one of my thoughts right now is that I think the world is in such a, a crazy position because there's really not one person, one world leader, one politician that the world looks up to with, with almost universal respect. Where is today's Winston Churchill? Where is today's FDR? Where is today's Gandhi? Where is today's Martin Luther King? We don't really have. There's not one leader of any country, not the United States, not not um, nowhere. There is not one leader that is truly a strong, inspirational, aspirational, clear and decisive, influential leader that the world looks up to. There isn't one anywhere. And I think that's why the world is in such a limbo right now. We're waiting for somebody to emerge who can at least have some vision of where we're going.
And so in the midst of that void, Taylor Swift isn't a bad distraction. In the grand scheme of it, it's funny when you see the list of these people that Taylor Swift is now in the elite company of Winston Churchill and Gandhi and Martin Luther King. Whether that's deserved or not, it shows where we're at as a world, where we're at as a country, and where we're at at this point in our reality. We just need a break. And Taylor Swift, for the time being, is that break. And so she joins the ranks of Winston Churchill and FDR and Harry Truman and John F. Kennedy (laughs) and a host of others who have been Time's Person of the Year. And you can't shake that off. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 395. I'm Jim Toronto, I ain't here on business, I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, from the end of the web to your screen.